Welcome to Valuification of Things, your one-stop podcast on the discussion of value and especially business value. This is a forum where your host, Sri Sundaram, will be discussing topics on how to quantify value for practically any scenario. Along the way, we will have business leaders and subject matter experts describing their value journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast episode. Hello, I'm Andrew Wolf, your host for this episode of The Valuification of Things. In today's episode, I'm switching places with Sri Sundaram to ask him about his perspectives on value-focused outcomes and how he goes about realizing them for his customers. Sri's been in the business of business value for quite some time now. He actively authors articles on the topic and has also built software that democratizes the development of business cases by laypeople. He also tells me that the next generation of the software is infused with generative AI, which will make things even easier to develop value models. Hello, Sri, and welcome to the other side of the valuification of things. Thank you, Andrew. It's good to be on the other side for once. <laughs> Let's start by defining a couple of terms that are often used, but sometimes vary in meaning or people's understanding of them. Uh, the first term is business case, and I'll go ahead and give you the second term as well, which is value model. So how are those two ideas uh, uh, used in your work? I'll give you the broader context of what people, how people differentiate between the two, Andrew, what a business mm-hmm. case is and what a value model is. A business case is typically uh, uh, you know, considered as a, the financial aspects or the financial analysis of a project or initiative in question. Okay. Whereas business value analysis or business value modeling is all about the organization as a whole. Nice. I treat it somewhat differently. I said, look, every project or initiative contributes to the business value of the company, the economic mm-hmm. value of the company, the economic mm-hmm. value add of the company. Yeah. So therefore, I, I treat them very synonymously. So even in my analysis for an individual project or an initiative, I make sure that the broader business benefits for the, for the enterprise as a whole is captured there. Uh, so that would be the difference between a value a business value model versus a uh, business case. I, in my interpretation, they should be the same and they should incorporate both aspects. I see. So what are the components of a value model that you're looking for? So it is very similar to a business case, right? In fact, maybe it's a little bit more than a business case. If you look at a typical business case, one of the areas where people forget to or, or omit to include is the risk. They talk about mm, cost, they talk about, they talk about benefits. You know, cost-benefit analysis is typically synonymous with the business case. But no, a value a value model includes benefits, costs, and risks. So in simple terms, the value equation, if you will, is benefits minus costs minus risks. So those are the three components mm. of a value model. I see. Thank you, Shri. How are these applied in organizations and specifically, how are they juxtaposed against some of the terms like ROI and TCO that we hear talked about frequently in technology specific uh, programs? So so good question there, Andrew. Uh, So typically when organizations, uh, especially um, in in technology, technology areas, they are notorious in developing these calculators. They call them calculators. Mm-hmm. You go to any technology company, especially uh, SaaS-oriented companies, they have these calculators galore on their websites. Yeah. Now, these calculators are not value models, in my opinion. The calculators are really cost avoidance models. I so see. it is the total cost of ownership, right? And just as the name indicates, it's about avoidance of the cost. It tells you all about cost. And the only benefit in that situation is the, the reduction of cost. And just as we talked about a little bit ago, 
the value model consists of other business benefits for the company. So you, that mm -hmm. is not included. So when people talk about TCO, TCO is not business value. Business mm -hmm. value consists of benefits, costs, and risk. TCO is all about cost avoidance. And that is where um, you know, the, 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 the big difference is. The second aspect at, at you mentioned is ROI. Now, ROI is a, is a simplistic way of measuring business value. I, let me get geeky for a minute. Uh, you know, this should all, all actually be using what is called as IRR, which is the internal rate of return as mm -hmm. opposed to an ROI. ROI simply means uh, total benefits minus total cost divided by total cost. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a very simplistic approach and doesn't always provide necessary necessary uh, accuracy. Whereas IRR, which is actually non-deterministic uh, equation, uh, provides mm -hmm. a better measure of 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 your value over time because you're thinking about value over time, right? I see. I see. Hey, that's the a perfect segue into our next question, which is, you know, at the Holistics Group and previously when we were at Microsoft and some of us were at Google. We focus very much on forward-looking innovative scenarios and use cases. Um, how are these tools applied to concepts that have never been done before? So by definition, innovative is, is almost something nobody else has done. And what challenges arise because we are talking about completely new things and how do you address them? So when you go to a typical organization where the business analyst is developing, trying to develop a business case for an innovation um, initiative, mm -hmm. their first answer is, no, we cannot do it because this has never been done before. Why? Right. Because I don't have benchmarks for this, right? Mm -hmm. So by the nature, and as you correctly pointed out, by innovation means something new, right? Mm -hmm. And something new means you most likely don't have any direct benchmarks to go against it. So what do you do in the situation? You look for proxy metrics. You look for proxy benchmarks. So case in point, let's say you're talking about ways of measuring quality in a manufacturing plant, mm -hmm. right? You're trying to come up with a new way of doing things using digital twins or something else to say, you know, this is going to improve the quality of the company, of, of the products. But if you have never measured quality, what is your benchmark, right? What is, what is your baseline? You don't have that. Okay. And most people will say, no, we cannot do it because you never benchmark this. Mm -hmm. I would say, no, look in the dustbin. The number of widgets, let's say you produce 10 widgets per day and you throw away two widgets per day. That's your that's your quality metric right there. That means 20% is, um, there's a 20% reduction in, in, in quality because you're throwing away two widgets of the 10 that you produced. So th those are the kinds of proxy metrics that you should be looking for. Sometimes you've got to be thinking outside of the box yeah. uh, to, to, to get these proxy metrics and ultimate, ultimately get to a, a, a value model. And also, Leaders are not looking for an exact value model for something that is brand new, right? Something that is innovative. They're looking for a directional value there that as you get more and more information, then that directional value becomes more detailed. So it sounds like setting up this business case isn't necessarily just a one-time exercise. How do you manage uh, this throughout the life cycle of a program? That, that, that's, again, a great question there, Andrew. So there's a notion of what is called as value management, right? Mm -hmm. And most companies don't do it, right? Uh, why? Because of two reasons. One, because they don't instrument the project or initiative with the right kind of KPIs to measure value, right? When I say instrument, it's about putting these necessary KPIs to, to measure not lagging indicators, but directional and leading indicators. So they don't do that, and therefore you cannot measure or track value. So value management is all about 
tracking value to make sure you make a value proposition. That's where the model comes in. Mm -hmm. And then you go keep tracking it and measuring it to say that whatever I proposed in terms of the value in IRR, mm -hmm. I'm actually getting it or not getting uh -huh. it. The second part of that value management also is relates to go back, goes back to your previous question on innovation. There's various levels of value. So in the beginning, you do a back of the napkin value analysis. This is where you have incomplete information, very basic information. Uh, then you say, okay, what? Let me do some back of the value. That's called a notional value, if you will, right? Mm. Very, very mm -hmm. basic. And then you know some more information. Then I say, let me put my finger in the wind and, and guesstimate certain things. So that the finger in the wind approach is called as the directional value. So, and then you get more and more information as, as the project proceeds or, or as the project continues. So mm -hmm. that's the detailed value model. So, so that that's how you're going to need to look at it. So the value management looks at uh, value from the back of the napkin, the back of the napkin value case, the business case, all the way to mm -hmm. detailed value model. Sometimes it's an auditable value model because sometimes you want mm -hmm. to you want to sometimes show off your value or or, or project your value to the market. When mm -hmm. you do something with the market, especially for publicly traded companies, when you're trying to project an information back to the, back to in an SEC filing, you want to make sure it's audited by a third party. Mm -hmm. That's where the auditable value comes in. Most of the time, we don't get into that. You know, the first three are sufficient enough, right? The notional value, the uh, the the directional value, and the detail value. So that's how you look at. So these aspects of value are done over time, and maybe it is a long-winded answer to your question. Is it a one-time exercise? No, it's not. It's it's, right. it's done over time. Ah, thank you, Sri, for that extremely nuanced answer. I, I learned a couple of things myself in that, so thank you. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back after that to continue our discussion. This episode of Valuification of Things is sponsored by Valuify. Valuify is a free tool that allows you to create business value models. Go to valuify.net and click download to begin your valuification journey. Welcome back. Today, we're talking to Sri Sundaram, seasoned business value proponent and value modeler. He gave us a good understanding of what business cases are, what value models are, and the difference between them. We talked about how to develop business value propositions in the face of incomplete information, especially for innovative and forward-looking initiatives. In this section, we're going to talk about the difference between a good and a poor business case. And we'll also find out about how generative AI, ChatGPT, and others can mitigate some of these challenges. Welcome back, Sri. Uh, th thank you, Andrew. Glad to continue this conversation. So what distinguishes between a good business case and a poor one? So a good business case, uh, you know, in, 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 in line uh, with what we've been discussing earlier before the break, a good business case encapsulates all aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. If you look at a business, what is the people, business assets are? There are these assets, the physical assets, the material assets of the business. People mm -hmm. are one of the biggest assets of a company. The processes and the IP thereof are equally good assets too. So mm -hmm. when you think about a business value, as long as you encompass the people, the process, the technology, the sales, all of the functional aspects and the value added aspects of the company into your mm -hmm. equation, that's a good business model. I see. So what red flags do you look for when reviewing a business case or value model? So the kinds of red flags that I look for, Andrew, is, and this is again, uh, not, not a hit on technology because I keep going uh, technology all the time. Uh, it's just that when it's a totally IT-centric business case, mm -hmm. it talks about 
licenses. It talks about subscriptions. It talks about uh, you know development costs and nothing else. That to right. me is a red flag. On the other hand, if you talk purely about benefits only, the rosy picture of a value, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because not, as I said earlier, nothing comes free in this world. So if you don't mm-hmm. talk about costs or talk about costs only at, at those direct costs and not the indirect costs, that's another red flag. You know, you and I know very well, Andrew, that when you start to implement uh, initiatives, there is the adoption and the change management, the people component of it. People mm-hmm. usually okay. gloss over it. You know, if you build it, they will come and use it. No, they don't. Right. You have yeah. to have the adoption and training. So that's the cost. So if you don't have that, that's another red flag. The I third see. part of it is if you don't include the risk, you almost assume a rosy scenario. Everything will work out. No, that it usually never works out. In my 20 plus years of experience, no project that I've been on has had a smooth beginning, middle and ending. There's always ups and downs. Yep. So you have to include that as well. So these are the aspects that I look for when in, in a business value model. If, they, if, they're not abs, if they're not present, that means those are red flags for me. All right. For a final question, it's hard to read any news uh, article or any magazine today without hearing about generative AI and ChatGPT, Copilot, Bard. How can these new technologies be applied to the creation of value models or business cases? So I'm going to give away some uh, trade secrets here, uh, uh, <laughs> Andrew. So one of the things, uh, the, the greatest hesitation in creating value models by value practitioners is the fact that I don't have access to research. I don't have access to all these expensive subscriptions, and therefore I cannot get these metrics. One of the gr- mitigating factors is ChatGPT, uh, Gen AI in, in you know in in general, but ChatGPT and Bard and all of these other tools in particular have have done it. I've made it much easier for us to get to that next level of information to to get those metrics. Maybe not direct metrics, but indirect metrics. But certainly they get they get there much faster than we can. So that's one way where we can use new generative AI technologies to further democratize and make it easier for a layperson to create a value model. Now, let me take the time to plug in my own software that we created, which is Valuify. In Valuify, the next generation of software will incorporate these benefits, Mm -hmm. these risks and cost automatically. All you have to do is provide a statement describing the project of initiative that you're trying to do, and then it'll go and then look up its own database because it's got multiple uh, multiple uh, levers uh, points of information there. Mm-hmm. It'll go look up on on the internet, you know, uh, do do some do some digging underneath uh, with all the research tanks, and come back and recommend what are the benefits that ought to be included, what are the costs that ought to be included, what are the risks that ought to be included in the model. Of course, the final say and leverage is with the operator or the user yeah. or the creator but that further democratizes uh, creation of value models valify actually uses uh, generative uh, ai technologies in this next version which is coming up in a, in, a, in a month or two really looking forward to it shri thank you for your time today i appreciate your willingness to jump to the other side of the podcast and uh, share your wide and deep experiences in executing business uh, transformation programs organized around uh, value and and uh, business cases so deeply enjoyed listening to your insights and uh, learned a few things myself and look forward to talking with you again thank you for watching this episode Today, we had Sri Sundaram, seasoned value modeler, talking to us about the business value cases and the role of tools and AI in democratizing uh, development of these business cases. 
In future episodes, we will continue to dwell on the valuation of things with other thought leaders and industry executives. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Valuation of Things. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you did, please share this episode with your friends and family, and don't forget to leave a review. We're always looking for ways to improve and bring in the best content possible. If you want to be featured on this podcast, please drop us a line at podcastvaluation.com. At